0: Hello and welcome to All Things Albion, the West Bromwich albion Focus podcast. As always, please welcome my co-host. When West Brom got thumped 5-0 in December 2004, he was there and so was I. How are you, John?
1: Hello, mate. Is that the Liverpool game when Michael Owen scored yeah. that trick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was the
0: one where we were there and it was about minus two.
1: Was that Boxing Day?
0: It was, was Boxing it Day, New- yeah. New Year's I think it was Boxing Day. Wasn't it, also it. Co-
1: wasn't, it, wasn't it also Cosmin Contra, uh, Chapman Legends, uh, debut? <laughs> it might have been. So they worried, they another handball. That was that the
0: handball? Was that like in Middlesbrough? Do you remember no, no, no. Give away a handball?
1: I remember, Co- remember Cosmin Contra having an absolute stinker that game, and I don't think we ever saw him again. I do remember that.
0: It'd be interesting to talk about that. I mean, we are going to talk about that season at some point, because, I mean, what a crazy signing. Didn't we loan him from AC Milan, and he was this amazing player, but it just didn't work out.
1: We well, we've done that before, right? We had Janichy Inamoto. He was a good player, yeah. but just didn't really work. We had Bor Havalero. He was a good player, didn't really work. Artem team
0: Shakiri. Shakiri
1: didn't work. Uh, less so, said about um, Nicholas and Elka the bear. Oh. yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's a happy happy moment to finish that conversation. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, this week we've got to talk about the nil nil draw against Preston. We've got some. Transfer rumours, some free agents that have been floating around. we have also going to talk about the financial fair play and the Derby situation and how it relates to the Albion. Uh, so we've got quite a few things to talk about. Let's jump straight in. The 0-0 draw against Preston. It feels like we're talking about the same thing over and over again because we've had Millwall, we've had Derby and now we've had Preston. Sorry, 1-1 draw, not 0-0 draw, it was 1-1 draw. Um, disappointing. There's a lot of chatter on social media. There's a lot of fans, some fans saying people are too negative, we're unbeaten, we're third in the league. Other fans are saying this is rubbish. I've heard things saying Ishmael out and things like that. I don't think it's that. I think that's a bit too soon. But it is very concerning that we can't seem to win. We're repeating ourselves in terms of the fact that we keep getting found out. It's like we've been found out, and every team seems to be able to know how to play us now. And it just looks like we're struggling.
1: Yep. Um, yeah. So uh, my thoughts on the game were that it was a very, very poor quality, low quality affair from both yep. sides. Um, I think we didn't. We don't. We're not. What? What? You know. What's not good is the fact that we're not rising above teams because I think teams are looking to drag us down, and we're we're just complying. And if I was Ishmael, I'd be disappointed with that. Um you know, let's get the negatives out of the way first. Uh Hugh, Jewell, I just don't really get with, with what, what he's all about yet. I think he, no. he I, I'm not seeing anything in, in him to suggest that he's the answer uh, long term as a striker. Um I don't really know what he does really, really well either, which is slightly concerning. Perhaps he's a bit Perhaps he needs to get match sharp again and, and and match fit, but he needs to dra drastically, dramatically improve. I mean, his, his effort level, his efforts good, uh, and that's where he sort of he's he streets ahead of Zor, But just the tangible stuff, you know, getting on the mm. end of chances, creating stuff, you know, winning headers, winning, winning, you know, bringing the team up the pitch. He's just not doing any of that, and that that's what that does worry me a little bit. Mm. Um, Mowat's in a dip, Mowat's uh, suffering a bit with his form and that that's very concerning because he was probably our best player uh before the international break um is playing better now yeah uh, which which is a positive uh but again that's probably because the game is a bit more attritional uh and that suits his style um now very disappointing results but i think there are there are some there are little little, little inklings of positives in there but you know, the fact that we're not losing games, despite the fact that we're not playing very well, is a positive. Um, you know, times t- there would have been times, right, under Darren Moore and under Billich, where we'd have lost these games, and we're not losing them. Um, so that's positive. Uh, we're, we are third in the league, and the issue is, I think, the reason why people are getting quite, quite jittery is because they know how competitive the top of the league is going to be when you've got teams like Bournemouth like Fulham, yeah. Well, you know, Fulham, Fulham haven't done
0: very well, have they? They've lost a couple of games. Yeah, and but they've
1: got their squad is just insane yeah. for this yeah, division. So they're they're going to come good eventually. If they don't, you know, if they don't just steamroll the division, they're going to come good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't want to labour it on it too much. It's, it is a bit. It is a bit like Groundhog Day. Definitely, you know, the performance wasn't that much. Wasn't it very different to the since Peterborough? Um, how do we snap out of it um i think we're going to have to we're going to have to change the start we're going to have to surprise teams we're going to have to perhaps keep the ball yeah um and sort of try and draw teams out a little bit because especially away from home teams teams if teams just want to sit back against us at home we can get their fans on their back you know by keeping the ball and by mm-hmm. playing a bit playing a bit more of a a balanced um team as opposed to one that Looks to counterattack all the time. Um, so yeah, there are some positives. It's not very positive at the moment, but I, uh, if we if we can once if as soon as we snap out of this, I think we'll we'll go on a bit of a run because we are scoring goals. We just and we haven't got the bad best team out yet either, have we? Let's face it.
0: No, but will we? With the injuries we've got now, it's going to be a long time before we have our best team. Really.
1: Well, apparently Matt Clark's going to be back before the yeah. international. Yeah, talking about really. Uh, it's Daryl, O'Shea, we'll, we'll miss. But any yeah. any team in this division missed Daryl. But uh, we're going to get Matt Clark back. By the looks of it, that's a positive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not good. Yeah, I can't argue with you.
0: Well, I think you made some good points. I-, I want to talk about Hugo because you mentioned him, and I'd be really disappointed with his contribution. I think when we first signed him, we were hoping he was going to be a bit of a Marc Antoine Fortune style player because he's not particularly fast. He's not particularly big. So he's, he, he, we thought it would be more of that, whole, you know, good at holding the ball up, strong, bringing other players into the, the game. He, he doesn't seem to offer much. I think Robinson's a much better pick at the at leading the line. I don't really understand why he hasn't played as much. He seems to only play half a game or get dropped. I don't know if he's still feeling the effects of COVID or something like that. But it's just a real shame because he was a lot busier. He, he gives us a lot more potency up front. And he can score goals as well, which... At the moment, it doesn't seem like Hugo can really do.
1: No, you're absolutely right. He doesn't look good at all. But he is putting the effort in, which means that he's he streets ahead of what we what else we've got as a centre-forward. Yeah. Because I know what you're saying about Callum Robinson leading the lot, but he's not a centre-forward. He's not no. going to be able to play. He doesn't have the same strengths. The real disappointment, the person who has caused all of this, is Zahora. Yeah. Because... You know, he's a £9 million sign and he's supposed to be a centre-forward and he just isn't. He just I can't think, be
0: bothered. I think it was this year, was his year, to make his mark. I think they looked at him and thought, hopefully he'll be our number nine. Rightly or wrongly, he'll be our number nine this year. And during the Championship, he's done OK in this level. I mean, I don't really understand why we signed him in the first place, but if he's going to do well, it's going to be in the Championship rather than the Premier League. And he's just failed. But... This money ball system has failed. Really, if you look at it, the, the the recruitment drive has just been not been good enough. So, it's a shame. It's a shame for the three thousand two hundred fans. I mean, what a following that is to Preston. You know, the club yeah. should be should be really grateful of that.
1: Yeah. Um, and the way that we've played recently is just as you say, not been very good. But the fans are sticking with it. So, mind you, you yeah, know they've been starved of of anything else for hour, nearly two years now. So. You know, perhaps perhaps that honeymoon period, we still in that honeymoon period where going to the football and, yeah, you know, a bit true. of banter with your mates, you still you still overrides the sort of the performance in front of you. But, yeah, excellent support. And credit to everybody that went because, you know, you would have had to get up early for that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, credit to you guys. And thank you for supporting the team. Um, in terms of changing the style, you make it another good point. I put a post out on social media got a big response thanks again everybody for responding to that but basically i made the suggestion that we should go 4-4-2 four, four, just because it's something different and like you mentioned we are trying to play this high press and it obviously isn't working so i made the suggestion of having a four four two formation what are your thoughts on that
1: i think you need to have a formation which is fluid enough to be able to to draw a team into a high press situation and then execute a high press yeah because i think that 442 is inflexible it's it's quite a rigid formation it's two banks of four i don't like 442 it's too rigid i think the one that we should be playing is 4231 and the reason why i say that is because it gives that space your wing, your like fullbacks to just move straight up and then mm-hmm. sort of slot slot back in. So four four two is like you've got it's just two ridges. I think the way the way that we're going to beat teams and the way that we're going to really start stuffing teams again is we have to we're going to have to be a bit like a boxer where you know a clever boxer who sort of draws sets traps and then yeah. counter punches because th- these teams you know they're not they're not sophisticated teams that we're playing against here. These are championship teams, true championship teams. You know, the ones that we've played are, yeah. you know, proper championship sides. So they're not going to have the sort of footballer who is all things to all men, are they? They're going to be able to deal with one or two jobs. You know, they're mm-hmm. going to be workmanlike generally. Yeah, but they're not going to be world-class play up,
0: class players, are they?
1: Not, Actually, no, no, the you're best not dealing with a Ronaldo every week, are you? So what we need to do, I think, is whatever formation we use, be it four two three one four four two five three two, whatever we decide on, it has to be flexible enough so that we can spring when we get the opportunity to press. When they, when we lull them into the trap and the trap springs, we can, we can, we can hit it hard because yeah. that's how we're going to score goals. Expecting the other team to just play into our hands is clearly not going to work, and these teams have worked that out. Don't, don't keep the ball. Because they'll just be all over you like a rash. So what they've decided to do is just relinquish the ball completely. Just don't yeah. have it. Because then, how can you press somebody who doesn't have the ball? I actually said this in I think it was week two. What happens if no? If they just don't decide to? You did,
0: yeah, you did. To be fair.
1: So this we've that that prophecy unfortunately has because come true. But um, that's what I want. I, I agree. Maybe a change in formation would be the right thing to do. But I think more than anything else, it's it's that transition being able to transition between from one tactic to another very very quickly yeah is key
0: well for, just just to give you what i would do as, a, as the team the first team so if we were to go with the 4 4 two, obviously have Johnston in goal townsend i said brian um a lot of people said on social media that he's more of a three at the back specialist and he's not particularly good center off when you've got a two but i went with brian bartley and furlong you could swap a jayi when matt clark's back he could come in but for the moment, I said Brian. And
1: How then, on earth do you become a professional if, central defender if you can't play in a back two?
0: I have no idea. I like, I don't know enough about him to be fair. He's pretty much the same with every he sign stands, we've made this season. He sounds he sounds every single time anybody talks about this kid, it gets worse and worse. Yeah, he does. He's not positive, is he? Well, he was a panic. He's almost like a panic sign. Isn't he there was. There was no one left. We had to sign somebody, so we signed Brian and. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's an odd one. but So, that was my back four anyway. In terms of midfield, left to right. So, Dean Garner on the left wing. Mowat, Livermore, Phillips on the right. And then up front, Hugel and Robinson. A lot of people might just say, oh. well, you've just criticised Hugel. My theory is, him and Robinson did very well for Preston. I think it was 2016. They both scored a ton of goals together. So And, and, and also, because we can't seem to hit a barn door most of the time, if we have two strikers up there, I'm hoping it puts more pressure on the defence and we get more... Well, we can actually finish some of these chances. It's all focused on Robinson, really. Hugel's there as a foil for Robinson to score the goals. And it is a lot of pressure on Robinson, who's, who's not a striker. But he's the best we got. We haven't got know, any good strikers.
1: You know, I feel sorry for Connor Townsend in that formation. He's just going to get no end of problems. He's got Keane Brian on his right, who, who can't yeah. even play football by the sounds of it. and he's got <laughs> And he's got... And he's Dean got Grady Dean Garner in
0: front of him, who doesn't know how to defend. Brilliant. <laughs> Sorry, Connor. <laughs> but that was anyway. I, I just want to make a suggestion because no, I think something good, needs like, to change.
1: Don't be self-conscious about your choice. Okay,
0: I'll pull it to pieces at my <laughs> leisure. But... <laughs> Thanks. What would you? Okay, then. Okay, then. We're playing four-two-three-one. What would you I know I'm putting you on the spot here. I had time to think about this. This was a social media post I've reread. But what would yeah. you, in terms of your team, if we we're playing four-two-three-one?
1: I wouldn't change the back. The back five. There's you, nothing. You go.
0: You go, with Brian. No,
1: no, 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 no. What I mean is from the one that we play nowadays.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So because we've because we've got an issue with you know O'Shea and Clark. Clark slots in for Anajoyi for me. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't change the back five because there's not, there's not there's not really anything going. Um, but the, and the midfield would be the two the two holding midfields would be the same as they are now, Moat mm-hmm. and Livermore, because that's what I would play with is sort of two sort of deep line playmakers one one box to box one deep line playmaker. And then the three across the front would be um, Robinson uh, on the left, you know, on the right, on the left. Mm-hmm. I'd have Phillips through the middle and mm-hmm. I'd have Dean Garner on the right
0: oh, so you you drop Grant
1: yeah I don't think I, I'd move Grant as, into the centre forward role
0: oh really okay
1: and the reason why I do that is because um, I don't rate Hugo at the moment mm-hmm. and I think I, I, I'm, I'd like to see Colin Grant play as a centre forward because while he's struggling to, he seems to be struggling with confidence big time in front of goal because he, he's, not, he's not he's not, taking the ball on. He's not taking the shots on. If you notice, he's constantly looking for the pass. So almost, got, I feel like if you forced him, just forced him for a couple of games to just play centre-forward and play it like he, he would have been playing it when he was a kid and see what, see what happens because you don't score nearly 30 goals in one championship season and not know how to score goals. Yeah. Something's got something's happening. Yeah. For
0: it? me, he doesn't seem to and, hit the ball right. He, he seems to always scuff the ball whenever he takes a shot. I think what's happening is he's looking at the goal rather than the ball, and that that is a lack of confidence. A com- yeah,
1: yeah, yeah the a confidence, a
0: confidence
1: thing. You know, so he did, he's not confident where the bo- where the goal is or where the goalkeeper is, and he's he's not operating on instinct, which. As a, you know, strikers, any striker, will tell you it's all instinct, really, scoring goals. You just need to know where the ball, the goal is, and where the ball is. So I, I that's what I, that, that's it, off the top of my head. That's what I'd go with.
0: Yeah. No, fair enough. I did put you on the spot, so I agree in terms of we've got to change something. Maybe, maybe Colin Grant is the answer if if he gets. I think that's why they gave him the penalty. Well, I think let, they let, wanted me, him let to me score.
1: Let, let me sort of. Uh, elaborate a little bit As to why I think That front four particularly I think that front four Is the most interchangeable Front four Yeah Almost Anybody within that front four Can play any one of the Other four positions I refuse to accept The fact that these teams Are sort of like Sophisticated enough To be able to deal With four Premier League Quality players Who interchange yeah. with each other
0: Yeah It was like under Clark Wasn't um, it we have Jerome Thomas And Chris Brunt And who was the other one Was it Wingy and not they, well, they, yeah, they, yeah. the they i mean
1: obviously that they're, they're good obviously they're with top players particularly on wingy but what i what i'm trying to scenario i'm trying to create is that count is that counterpunch scenario where you you lull a defense you just got to move them out move them because yeah. They're just static, and they're just sitting there, and they're just waiting to see what we do. We need to be more mobile up front, and we need to move. If we if we start moving a lot, especially with those mo- the mobility of those players, you look at Callum Robinson, Dean Garner, Phillips, and Grant. They're going to cause huge problems if they are told move around. What worries me a little bit about this is they look a bit bereft of ideas now. Why mm. are they? Why is that? Why why that's yeah. not good? Because. Surely the whole point of a manager is that he, he sort of gives them ideas, tells them what to do. We're not yeah. improving after the half every single game, are we? I mean, we did against Derby. But I'm I'm not I'm not sitting here and slate trying to slate Valerian Ishmael, but if this carries on too much longer, it's gonna be difficult to defend him.
0: I think we haven't got anybody who will put their foot on the ball and run at people, like Pereira. We miss we missed Pereira badly this season and we've discussed it multiple times about the ridiculousness of that deal and who thought it was a good idea to do that but we i think we miss a player like Pereira hopefully Dean Garner will find form because he is that sort of player two years ago the start of the season he was that sort of player who would run at people and create chances but it does seem like we just want to pass it around and not take the responsibility of running at people really so we have to wait and see um, we'll talk about the QPR game in, in a little while, but hopefully things can get back on track there. I did want to talk. There's been some chatter again on social media about free transfers and who we should sign and things like that. The big one is Hal robson Cano because he's still without a club. Um, I'm just going to give you my thoughts first. We have enough bad strikers at the club. We don't need to sign another one. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> what we do? I'm sorry. But How Robson Canu never produced anything, really. He scored a couple of goals here and there, and he was okay. But I don't understand. We, we've got we've got plenty of strikers that can't score. We don't need <laughs> another one. I can't mate. I'm I'm, I'm laughing in agreement. I know. <laughs> but it's just like I don't understand why. Like he was great at warming up. I've never seen a player um, warm up so thoroughly like, in my entire life. But
1: How How Robson Canu. Oh God! If we would, if that happens, oh, oh goodness me, I'll just be so. I'll just be. I just. I just be. Well, I just. I just marvel at it at the at the
0: level of ingenuity and scouting quality. And I mean, the other one, Sadio Maneheenu. Yeah. Oh, we should have signed Sadio Mane. He scored one goal, for Sheffield Wednesday. Like,
1: yeah, let's not get too
0: gone.
1: excited. Like, he, he he wasn't even banging him in the Belgian second. You no, know, exactly.
0: So. He hasn't been prolific since he left the Albion and that oh, one season,
1: see. so... That was brilliant. How, Rob, it? We've got enough strikers who don't score goals. Why do we need another one? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's true. We just,
0: and, <laughs> let's add another one. Andy but, Carroll. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, the thing I will say about Andy... I mean, I don't want to sign Andy Carroll. I'll be honest. But one thing I will say for that type of striker is at least it's something different. At least, you know, Daniel Dicchio. When we add in.
1: Absolutely saying, stinks stinks to the high heaven of Daniel Storage. Andy Carroll does.
0: No, it does. I'm not saying I'm not saying Andy Carroll. I do not want Andy Carroll. I'm saying a striker like that would offer something different. A striker that can score goals. <laughs> 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 That'd be great. <laughs> Maybe convince Newcastle to somehow release Dwight Gale from his contract and then sign him on a free.
1: Uh, there's, there's no there's no quick there's no quick fix to scoring no. these we've we've shot our bolt in the transfer market as far as signing players is concerned uh we've 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 tried to do it on the cheap and and we're realizing we're, we've we've hit it we've hit a wall now the the key is whether or not we can get around this if we can't get around this we could finish mid table to
0: lower um, that's the that's the concerning thing I will say. For the argument of fans who say, "Well, we're third and we're unbeaten." Well, firstly, well, the argument at the start of the season or a few games ago was, "Well, we're first and now it, then it was we're second, and now it's we're third, and it's going to be what we're fourth, fifth, sixth, seven, and also we're unbeaten, but we haven't won in three games. And we, let's be honest, the Peterborough game was very desperate to say the least. It was. You know, you could have easily gone the other way, or we could have drew. So, we haven't won in three games, and you can draw, you can be unbeaten the entire season and go down. So, I don't really understand that. <laughs> I sound like I'm really ranting, I don't mean to. But the whole argument of, well, we're third and unbeaten, well, great. A team that draws every game be the first unbeatable un- uh, invincible for the end the league one. <laughs> but you can't say we're unbeaten as a real positive like because we're drawing. If we're, if we're winning every game fair enough but we're, we're drawing a lot and I mean Wolves one season they finished in the playoffs and they went unbeaten for ages and drew a load of games under Glenn Hoddle but it doesn't get you where you want to be at the end of the day a team like the Albion needs to be winning games especially against teams the worst one probably Derby which we'll talk about in a bit but anyway that's my little rant over
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, you, I, I, don't, I don't like the idea of signing Hal Robson, Carnu, Andy Carroll, any of the free agents. If they're, still on the, if, they're, if they're still on the scrap heap now, there's a reason.
0: Yeah. Well, that's another thing. No one's picked him up. So I don't think there's a lot to offer there. Um, there's more rumours circulating about Daryl Dyke. They've been saying that Valerian Ishmael wants him. I, you know, yeah, we can sign him in January if we actually spend some money, but I think it's too late by then. I think it's, well, it's lovely that we're rumoured with these players, but you could rumour us with Lionel Messi. We ain't going to sign until at least January, if ever.
1: Is Darrell Dyke going to come to us if we're ninth?
0: Exactly. Eight. Yeah.
1: Um, that's the risk. That's unfortunately the downside of what was going on at the moment is we are not. it's not going to be very long until we are eighth or ninth, if we're not careful. But that's, not, let's not be too negative. Now, the issue with Daryl Dyke, I think, is uh, I saw a report. I can't remember which newspaper it was, but it was one of the Nationals saying that Crystal Palace had made an inquiry about Daryl Dyke and been put off by the price that Orlando wanted.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's 9 million. I think it's a lot more than 9 million.
1: The, it was talking about 16.2 million, was what this newspaper article was talking about. Yeah. Now, that would be our record signing. Um, I can't see it. If he, if, he, if that's what he if that's what he costs, if that's yeah. what they want for him, and he's essentially unproven, um, even though he did have one half decent season, a half of a decent season. If that yeah, makes sense, um, we'd have to be desperate. I mean, wh- where's the where's where's that money coming from?
0: Well, because one thing different. I will say is I'm pretty sure the uh, American League, they play a different time, don't they? Like. Their season ends, I think, in January, if I remember correctly. Because David Beckham... Do you remember, like, players would get loaned out the second half of the season in January. All these loan signings from America start happening. I think it's because their league ends in January, the MLS. So I wonder whether the thought is we can get Daryl Dyke for half a season because he wouldn't be playing anyway. So Orlando would be happy to get, you know, a million or two in... A um, loan fee, and we could have him for half the season. So I don't know if that is is something worth thinking about.
1: I don't want to loan any more players.
0: No, I agree. Um, we want. Our, we do want to do a feature at some point about loans because I think a lot of teams now rely way too much on the loan system. So we will do that in another time. But yeah, it'd be great signing. Are we going to spend sixteen point two million? No, we haven't spent a penny. This year so far, this season so far, so fingers crossed. But I think if we got someone like Daryl Dyke, he would be the answer to a lot of our problems. If he, he played like he did for Barnsley, I'm a big fan of his. I know yours was always Lee and lap wasn't it? When we talked about it before, but well, for me, I, mean, I, I just like, think he's a, he's a good striker. Uh,
1: well, at the end of the day, it was it was I was presented with a list of players, and it was like which one would you choose? Um, I, I I'm I am convinced there's better options out there than Daryl Doyle at half that yeah um I, I mean you look at
0: someone like Doyle he
1: would cost nobody would cost a lot in wages i think Albion a who who went to uh celtic um someone like him who has a solid goal scoring record in a comparable level league within europe is not going to cost you more than 10 million pounds to purchase because there's a lot of leagues like in the east, in you know, in Eastern Europe, Poland, places like that, um, where there's they have got some really, really top players and they're scoring a lot of goals. And it's almost a case of, I mean, obviously, the, the risk is you end up with someone like Thomas Rosenqvist, who'd scored yeah. millions of goals from Malmo and then he comes to us and he can't, he doesn't look like he can fit put his boots on the right way around. So that is the risk, however. I just can't see Daryl Dyke sixteen point odd, some odd million pounds. It's a big he's risk, had, isn't it? He? He's had eight. He's had you know he's had a few decent games for Barnsley, and then he's back in America. I mean, the, the some of the defending. I mean, I, I saw somebody put a goal compilation of Daryl Dyke this season, and one of the goals he scored. I'm not kidding you. The, the defender did the old Roger Johnson trick, where he just backed off, backed off, backed <laughs> off, backed off.
0: Trudy did that against Torre and I was oh. like is this, is
1: this the level of defending in the MLS because <laughs> if it is I'm slightly concerned about this Taro. Anyway, I don't want to be I don't, you know no, he, no, yeah. he could he could be okay. could be the next he could be the answer but I don't
0: know I'm I'm always suspicious suspicious
1: yeah. of huge huge transfer fees <laughs> for let relative unknown players it just scare me.
0: You, uh, you reminded me now when um I think he's playing for West Ham when he when you like, scored that goal where Roger Johnson basically backed himself into the net. And I put some tweet out it was like Roger Johnson's still backing off. He's just been seen near Portsmouth. Doesn't... <laughs> yeah, I've just walked out of the. I've
1: just walked out of the Briley Old Chippy and Roger Johnson <laughs> just just past.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: Just passed the door backwards.
0: Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we'll sign somebody. Somebody good. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, so the other thing I want to talk about is financial fair play. There's been a lot of debate about it recently, and obviously Derby have just gone into administration and looking at 12 points, 39 points, I've heard all sorts of points deductions. And i wonder wondering if financial fair play is ruining football. And what I mean by that is you look at teams like the Albion and we blew the budget, didn't we, a few years ago. We signed people like um, oh, just, um, Nassie, yeah, Nassir Chadley, um, Jake Livermore for 10 million, all these signings, which I do want to do a, a deep dive at some point about that season. We, we, we blew the budget. We spent about 30 odd million, I think. Um, and obviously we were in big problems with financial fair play. What was the uh, chief executive that came back? Was it Mark Jenkins? Who said that we were just, you know, one. he left and we were okay and we come back and we were a complete mess.
1: Uh, he would say that, wouldn't
0: Oh, well, yeah, of course he would. I'll save the day. Um, so you've got that and then you've got teams like Man United who are spending 100 million on one player, 80 million on one player. I just don't think it, it is fair because at the end of the day, all it's going to do is keep the smaller clubs smaller and the bigger clubs bigger because if. If 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 an owner wants to come in and sign, let's say he wants to buy, let's not use the Albion, let's say Newcastle, let's say Burnley, someone like that, they have to build up over a long period of time to get them up to the levels of a Man City and Man United because they can't spend money to to compete. With financial fair play, they couldn't do that. And the other thing I will say is with Derby, for example, it, this is the decision of their ownership that's got them into this financial mess. Their owners and their executives have made these decisions, not the fans. When the Super League was happening, a lot of you made this point on social media, didn't you? A lot of a lot of pundits in the end, and and I think it was actually the the final decision was that the fans shouldn't be punished for something that the owners have, have decided in terms of joining the Super League. So they didn't have mass point deductions. They didn't have mass relegations. Because they didn't want to punish the fans for something the owners have done. What's the difference between that and Derby? At the end of the day, Derby fans haven't spent all this money. Their owners and their executives have. Well, by putting a huge point deduction on the team, you're going to be punishing the fans just like you would have with the Super League. So I don't really understand the difference.
1: Well, what you've shown is the hypocrisy.
0: Yes. Because
1: that shows that 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 excuse as to why those clubs were not punished was just complete lies because yeah. the truth is, and the truth is as to why those clubs were not punished, is because if you punish those clubs, then either A, you risk them going, well, okay, if you're going to punish us, then we will do it anyway. Yeah. Or the other risk is, is that by punishing them, you actually damage the product of the Premier League because you start to get t you know, you, you, you if you relegated Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool, how many foreign, how many foreign fans are going to watch the Premier League next season? Not many. Mm-hmm. When you think about the fact that the foreign TV revenues account for something like four billion, or some crazy sum of money, over a, the same period of as, as time as you get about a billion from the d- domestic TV revenues, is it any surprise? Yeah. Well, so basically, mean- it just what they, what they didn't want to say is we can't punish Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, etc., because if we do that. Then we're making a rod for our own back and damaging the product because they know nobody would, no no fan of anybody apart from those teams is going to come and say, Oh, that's yeah, yeah, I agree totally. They're going to say, No, throw the book at them. So, what they did is they came up with some excuse that they thought every fan could empathise with, which was just lies. Derby are just the quintessential, like, also ran club, same as us, um, where. They were out of the the top division at the wrong time, and they've never recovered. Um, um, But yeah, it's it's cruel and unusual punishment to relegate a team for the the actions of the owners, especially when the owners are looking to sell anyway, is almost counterproductive. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to end up with, ultimately, the only people who are going to suffer is the fans, because what Mel Morris will do is he'll sell the club and he'll disappear. So the yeah. guy who caused all of the problems disappears off into the sunset, and the fans are he's stuck lost, he reckons he's lost two hundred million pound. Well, he reckons he's lost two hundred million pound, Mel Morris. Uh, so at least he's, there's some tangible uh, consequence to him because that's a lot of money. I wouldn't want to lose that much money down the back of the sofa. Um, <laughs> but uh, but um, the fans are stuck with it now, and it could be ten years before, until Derby are, are relevant again because of these these sanctions are deep. And- Significant um, is FFP ruining football? Ruining football? It's consolidating it uh, to make it completely uncompetitive.
0: Um, yeah, because, because what what we criticize the Super
1: League for? Correct, because what 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 you're doing is is you're locking in the status quo uh, of the top teams, the haves and haves nots. You're locking that in forever. Yeah. There's nothing a, an owner can do to see so the, the real the true irony in it all is is that they did it. They did. They say they did it to stop, uh, to stop stop clubs from dam- being damaged financially and ending up. You know, to protect the fans. What they've actually done is they've looked at the likes of Manchester City, Chelsea, and Leicester City, and they've gone, "Poor, we don't want too many of these." If yeah. you're uh, if you're if you're Manchester United, Arsenal, you know Liverpool, historically big clubs who. Feel like it's their, your God-given right to compete in European football. You don't like Leicester City. You don't like Manchester City. You don't like Chelsea, because what they've essentially done is just disrupted the entire the yeah. entire status quo. And before they before everybody else caught on, and before basically the Premier League became the NFL, i.e. every owner is worth six billion, and then everybody's got to compete on eleven playoff fields. They decided to sneak in financial fair play, um, just just to make sure that. It, Okay, we'll accept the fact that Chelsea and Manchester City are here, but we're not having any more of this. Yeah, yeah.
0: We're going to stop
1: here. Um, and Jeremy Peace, to his credit, who was probably the most miserly chairman we ever had, he was the guy who said, I'm voting against it because it, it means that I can never sell the club to an investor and, and the club can move forward. He actually said that. Well, he said something mm. like that. Um so yeah, absolutely. It's about it's about cementing the status quo. It doesn't help small clubs, and all it does is it allows big clubs to just basically outspend everybody else and yeah. re- can maintain the status quo.
0: Simple as yeah. that. It'll never it'll never be an playing field. You've got the NFL there. sorry.
1: It also sorry steals the assets from clubs because one of the loopholes that they've they've put in is that you you can make money from fixed tangible fixed asset sales. And what that means for people who don't know, a tangible fixed asset is an asset which exists. Um, it exists. You can touch it, and what it, it's not easily movable. Now, what that means is it can mean a lot of things. It could mean a car is a tangible fixed asset. You could think of a machine in a factory would be a tangible fixed asset. But but the, the most, the biggest tangible fixed asset most football clubs own is their stadium. Yeah. And what what f- clubs do is they sell their stadium to their owner. In the hope, because it generates cash, it generates money that they can then they can off, offset against losses for financial fair play, and that so that what that's done is it's created a scenario where less clubs now own their stadiums than ever before. Every yeah. club used to own the stadium. Now they're all selling them off because it's the way to get out of the championship. is to sell your stadium. If you look at Villa, that's exactly what Villa did. Um, so yeah, that's actually a way of, what it's, what it's also doing is it's encouraging clubs to act more recklessly, which is yeah. exactly what it said it wasn't going to do, i.e. We, no, we want clubs to be really, really safe. And what it's actually done is it's caused them to sell off all of their assets to generate cash to spend on players to hopefully get into the, into the greed league. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's not that it's, it's, not that it's um, ruining football deliberately It's just that it's so poorly implemented and so badly written and so full of so many loopholes that it's just it's 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 not fit for purpose.
0: No. And also, looking at the financial fair play in terms of um, the three-year having the three-year cycle, having it they have to do accounts every three years. You're encouraging gambling in terms of a team could spend a fortune the first year in the hope they get in the Premier League or wherever they are win the Champions League or whatever um, and then try and make up for it in the next couple of years so you are encouraging teams to gamble you're encouraging owners to say right well let's let's go for it this year let's hopefully get promoted and, and then we'll we'll make up for it and it's just it's like you said it's a broken system it's full of loopholes and it does not work and at the end of the day it, it makes football not fair I know football isn't fair anyway because you've got certain teams that got a lot more money than others. But this way, it just makes it even worse.
1: It doesn't encourage a team to set itself up to be sold either. It's like, you know, like how Jeremy Peace,
0: yeah,
1: in the, historically, he wanted to put in place all of the infrastructure so that it would be a really attractive investment for somebody who had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I think finan- there's two things screwed Jeremy Peace's business model. One was financial fair play, and the other one was Dan Ashworth leaving. But yeah. financial fair play killed him even more because he knew then at that moment, as soon as financial fair play came in, he couldn't sell the club as a, as a really attractive. He wasn't more attractive than the likes of Leicester or Villa or anybody anymore. Whereas if he because we'd invested so much money in the infrastructure, we were really attractive as an investment because somebody would go, well, actually, I haven't got to spend any money on the training run. I haven't got to spend yeah. any money on anything. I can just buy a load of players and then boom, we we're onto the, we're into the next level. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you buy someone like Blackburn, you've got to spend absolute fortunes on all the infrastructure before it's anywhere near good enough to then invest in players if you want to do it sustainably. Yeah. So it's just a, it's just an awful system, really. But we've, we've all knew that. I mean, like the, the worst thing about it is, is, is because it's revenues, revenues covers all manner of, uh, of, of ills. Because the big clubs, the way they get around it is they talk to Adidas, they talk to Nike, whoever's making their kit. And they go, "What about a TV? What about an advertising campaign where we put Paul Pogba in our shirt, and he's wearing your, and he can advertise mm-hmm. Nike slash Adidas And they go, "Well, that sounds really, really good. All right, well, if you give us hundred million pound for our sponsorship deal, we can buy him." Yeah.
0: Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. He was like, "Who, who, who bankrolled the deal for Wayne Rooney? It was some betting company, wasn't it?"
1: There you go. So what 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 happens now is 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 that exactly that clubs aren't even buying their own players really. They're getting money in from someone else to buy the players that then that are then wearing the shirt or wearing the football. But you know it can even be like a player who wears a certain type of football boot. Mm. You know a Nike football boot should be, and he's wearing an Adidas kit. Nike might think actually we don't like that. We want him wearing a Nike shirt as well. So they'll go to somebody who wears a Nike shirt, and get him to buy that player. It's, yeah. It's obscene, frankly, and it's never going to benefit anybody apart from about 10 clubs. Which, And when I say 10, I mean 10 globally, i.e. Yeah, the big clubs. Know, the huge, the mega clubs, yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: It's an interesting point. Thank you for your thoughts on it. I, I think it's something we'll talk about again in the future. I mean, there was talk of financial fair play isn't, isn't fit for purpose at all now because of COVID and things like that. So there's, they're reviewing it, I think, as we speak. Let's look forward to the next game. It's Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, 8pm. Um, I think we're on TV. I think we're on Sky. We're playing no, QPR. That yeah, that, a slot like that would be a, a TV game, wouldn't it? They're currently 8th. They've had a good start to the season, but then they haven't won in three games. They have they seem to have tailed off a little bit. There's quite a few old. There's two, I think, at least two ex-Albion players, Charlie Austin and Sam Field. What we'd give for having Sam Field right now with our midfield cover um they also got Andre Gray paying for him he went on loan from Watford who was another player we were interested in S- scored last week I think yes right uh, one goal in three games so far so um a lot of ties to the Albion, I suppose like mentioned with Austin Charlie Austin and Sam Field I-, I feel like I'm saying the same thing so I'm not going to say you know we should be winning we need to win we need to win this game we need to turn things around and we need to start as soon as possible so my hope is that we change the formation we change things up we don't just do the same thing we've done for the last three games and we uh we can finally get the win and, and try and get back on track
1: i think a loss is catastrophic i think i think yeah. don't lose my, my 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 answer would be do not lose rather than than win because um obviously i'd take the win and that's not me saying don't win what i mean is I'd rather to get take a point than a lot than than, than nothing at all mm. because it just keeps us in in touch more than anything else um I don't think we've got a good enough squad to win the division, so we're we're playing for second place in my opinion, yeah so um just just keep keep the points all I want really is just an improvement if you know if if, if we can get back to creating a lot of chances again, I'll be happy with that mm. Because what worried me about the Preston game and the Derby game, the first half of the Derby game, was we just didn't we didn't create enough chances. We just didn't, we weren't creating anything. Now, when you're not creating anything, that's a different problem to when you're not being able to finish those chances. So, yeah, against Derby, we couldn't finish the chances in the second half. That was less problematic to me. As far as Austin, Samfield, I believe, has got a long-term injury, so he won't be involved. Um, I think it's his knee has gone. Yeah. So, Charlie Austin. I mean,
0: Charlie Austin
1: um he hasn't pulled yeah. up trees since he left has he i mean well I mean, let's be honest he
0: wasn't the striker a Q, when he, he was at QPR be. previously he was amazing he was banging the goals in even the premier league when we signed him he wasn't the striker he was i think he's had some injuries that have affected him quite badly and he's gone back there now but again he isn't the same striker that he was when he was there before
1: his legs have gone his legs went before we but we signed him yeah. when of Southampton sold him
0: yeah for um, four million yeah
1: so um, you know, my thoughts, particularly on QBR, we should win, but I, I think we're so low on confidence at the moment, we need to be start generating other positives. Um, mm. and that is a good performance, a good performance. Uh, and to try and keep a clean sheet would be lovely.
0: A change in style, I think, as we talked earlier, something needs to change. If we keep on doing the same thing over and over again, we're not going to get the results. I think something needs to change, and hopefully, Ishmael's recognized that and said, Right, okay, I'm gonna. Try a different tactic, whether it's a different formation, a different style of play. We, we need to just do something because we, we, we have been found out and we're just going to keep getting these draws, I think. and It's not It'll going to get well. worse. Just to yeah. start
1: losing games is the problem. And yeah. as soon as that starts happening, that's when f- the fans will really start getting on Ishmael's back. Yeah, and and the, I don't want that to happen because I do actually think Ishmael is a good manager and I think he's, he's been hamstrung by a really poor... Um, transfer policy, but well, that's, yeah, that's, I that's I don't, I don't, I don't want to labour the point. I don't
0: want to labour that point. No, but the, well, one thing I will say about that, because you have that is a good point, is that there's no transparency. Is there? Who was signing these players? Was it Ishmael, or was it the the chief executive? You know, was it? Was it Ken and and the executives? Because I, I don't know. I don't know who's signing them. I don't know who. You know, Ishmael's not going to come out and say the recruitment was rubbish because he's going to. That's going to make all the 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 players that we have signed think, well, he didn't want me, but it would be nice to know because it's not fair on him. If he's been lumbered with these players that he, he either, you know, because back when, um, back when we had a, uh, director of football, I was told that what would happen was, was they would say to the manager, right? What position do you want? So he'd say, I want a left back or whatever. And they would say, right. And they'd go out and they'd give him a lift of options and say, right, you can have this person, this person, this person at this price. And they would then, you know, pick the player they wanted and they'd sign them. I don't know whether that's happening or Ishmael's gone out and said, I want Jordan Hugel, I want... I mean, he probably he would he would want Mowat. Mowat was definitely his signing, I would, I would imagine. But the other ones, you don't know. And so it's, it's frustrating from a fan perspective that there's no transparency. We don't know who's signing these players. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You're right. I think yeah, you're not wrong. And I think... Um... I would be astonished if, looking at the likes of Mowat, you know, how good he is versus the rest of our signings. I'd be yeah. absolutely astonished if, if if, the same manager that values someone like Mowat, who's a dynamo, yeah. potent, you know, good good strike on him, can pass, do everything, it would then also value Jordan Hugel.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. But it's just I'd a point I want
1: to make. No, it's a good one.
0: In terms of trivia, we've got our lovely trivia section. Um, Last week, I asked you probably one of the most obscure questions ever. In 1954, in the FA Cup final against Preston, who scored the winner? The answer was Frank Griffin. Um, Well done if you got that one. I didn't have a clue. I had to research that one. Um, (laughs) And this one's a really easy one. If you can't get this, I'd be amazed. It's a QPR question because um, we're playing QPR next. In 2016, which player did the Albion sign from QPR for around £6 million? I think it was £5.85 million. And that's the easiest question in the world. But he still plays for us. So, yeah, I will give you a ridiculously hard one last week, so I'll make it a lot easier for you. So let me know in the on our social media pages. If you want to get in contact with us, you can via social media um we're on facebook we're all things albion and what's your twitter handle again twitter, twitter handle is john
1: underscore foz that's j-o-n underscore f-o-z
0: so if you want to give us feedback if you want to talk about what we've mentioned on the on the podcast if you want to give us the answer to the question you're welcome to um you're welcome to contact us there you can also email us all things albion podcast at gmail.com john thank you very much for spending the time with me today. Fingers crossed we do well against QPR. Things turn. The next week's podcast is a positive one after we thump QPR 5-0 and we're back on track. Um, yeah, boy boing, boing, mate. Boing, boing, pal.